Before we start, I acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Aora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land from which I'm speaking. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. In our daily life, the decisions we make define us and the experiences we have. But decisions are often complex, can involve multiple people, present various outcomes, and call upon judgment and experience. Welcome to the Decision Clinic podcast with me, Paul Gordon, CEO and founder of Catalyze APAC, with almost 20 years experience leading decision-making transformation and author of Hard Decisions Made Easy. Learn how to overcome problems by making great decisions and listen as I sit down with real people to discuss and diagnose real problems. Great. Welcome. Uh, Damien, I think, is your name from your Decision Health questionnaire that you completed. So thanks for completing that. Really, over to you. How, how can I help you? What, what ails you in the decision world today? Hi, Paul. Good to be on. We work in the customer experience field, we work with enterprise size clients, and quite often we see them making decisions, significant decisions, significant investment decisions, whether it be around marketing, technology, um, strategy, direction they go in without really understanding in, in great depth what their customers are looking for them to solve. So they will take internal soundings and judgment and feedback as to what the problem might be without actually going out to the market to talk to the customers to find out what their problems actually are. And so the challenge with that and for them is that they quite often miss. They'll spend large amounts of money on technology which doesn't get adopted or used by people internally, or they spend money on a communication or advertising which doesn't hit home, or they launch new products which don't get traction um, or get picked up because it sort of seemed like a good idea on the surface, but when you got down to the detail, it wasn't. Okay, right. Yeah. So not an uncommon problem. It sounds, as I think about this as a decision doctor, it sounds like making decisions about resource allocation, investment, et cetera, that aren't delivering the outcomes they wanted. So they had some idea of the outcomes, they've made some decisions, they've taken some action, and it hasn't given them the outcome they wanted. Is that is that the kind of the shape of it? I think part of the challenge is these things can take two or three years to play out. And so, yeah, I think some people have experience of, gee whiz, we invested a large sum of money, it didn't work out. But I think too often, uh, there's a lot of things which you can actually solve internally. An HR strategy, you can develop that internally. Financial strategy, you can develop that internally. But when you're talking about products and services, probably even more services than products, the actual answer isn't in the company. The, com- the, the answer is outside the company. And going to actually talk to customers is where you get the answer. But there's so much pressure and KPIs on people we see in organizations to get moving and get started and and achieve deadlines that quite often we see as an important step is missed. So this is as much as anything, your organizations out there making decisions and not necessarily making effective decisions because there's missing some stuff in the decision process. And of course, I'm no I'm just a GP in the world of decision doctoring, right? So I've no idea about your business or your world. So I'm interested in just exploring that a little bit more. Actually, can I just ask you a question? Because you, you said, you know, in, in the world of customer experience, what, what, does, what does that mean? What, what is customer experience to you? Yeah, it's a really broad term, isn't it? Lots of organizations are using it. Well, the way we look at it is looking at a, a customer's journey or an end-to-end journey. And what we mean by that is not not so much the process map of how an organization thinks a process or a a journey uh, of a customer should take place, but the reality 
of what a journey takes place. So we've all have mobile phones, we all have health insurance, we all go shopping, and not all of these things go to according to plan. So it should work a particular way. Quite often we have to ring up support centres or get on chats or seek help because things didn't work out the way they're intended. And so what we do is we work with large organisations to understand how is the journey that the customer is supposed to go and intended to play out? Then we go out and do research with customers and go, well, we ask them, how did that play out for you? And they tell you, well, they were effective at you know, 10 out of 10 or it was 5 out of 10 or it was 2 out of 10. And we map that along all the interactions or what we call touch points that customers have with a brand or a supplier across the end-to-end journey of understanding what it looks like. So for a mobile phone, make it really simple for people because everyone's got one. For a mobile phone, it's a two-year journey and it's roughly goes like research, buy, set up, use, problem, renew or exit. And they're the sort of six phases and then beneath those are a whole bunch of interactions or touch points that take place. So that's what we do. And the reason we do it is if we provide a better customer experience and outcomes for our customers, they'll stay. They'll spend more money. They'll buy more services or products off us. They'll tell other people how good it is and they'll come on board and we're more profitable and we generate more, re- more revenue. So it's not an altruistic thing in terms of, gee whiz, I just love customers. It's a means to an end. It's a using improving of the, the experience of the customers to give them value so the organization creates and uh, generates even more value. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and that's helping me understand a little bit more about what you mean when you say customer experience and customer journey and so on. And and maybe a separate consultation might be in the world of, you know, when you talk about it's really the end is the let's make more money. I wonder often in the world of decision making, we think about the actual intangible outcomes of a decision and some of those things and how the, they provide value, but that's probably a different conversation. It sounds like the decisions they are making. Uh, so something you said earlier, just, just to, to come back to was this concept that maybe some of the outcomes from the decisions they make now, these organizations make now, the decisions they make now, they won't even know the outcomes for some period of time, right? So it might be a few years later. It could be 6, 12, 18 months. It's probably not years, but 6, 12, 18 months, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that, so that's a, in the world of decision-making, that's a common challenge, which is a, 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 I make a decision for today, but I don't actually get the outcomes or the results of that decision until the future. And so it's tempting common pitfall in decision-making is it's tempting to go, I made the decision today. I want to see the result tomorrow. I don't get the result tomorrow. Therefore, it was a bad decision. I'm going to unturn over my decision or whatever. So there's a, I guess in in decision medical terms, it's a a challenge for us as human beings and our bias towards short-term versus long-term. How do we make decisions for results in the long-term versus the short-term? So that's just one thing I can hear that's at play in, in this from organization's perspective. And I hear that the, you know, the end game of a decision seems to be to improve the customer experience so that they stay longer, you know, re-engage with the organization, talk nicely about the organization, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I don't think it's just customer experience. I mean, if you, if you talk to anybody in an organization, why do they exist? Well, Peter Drucker would say they exist to serve the customer, but that's a very siloed way of looking. But if you think about people who work in an organization, why they're there, they're there to create better outcomes for the organizations, for stakeholders, for staff, for customers. So, you know, whether you're in finance or you're in logistics or you're in sales or you're in HR, people and culture, the goal, I think, for everyone is to actually move the organization forward and create a better outcome. And your experience over many organizations is the decisions they're making to do that. So I'm an organization and I've decided, yeah, actually, it's good for me to have our customers happy, our staff enjoy engaging with customers more, all those good things. And I'm going to make a decision 
to take some action that will be in service of that, that will turn that out as a result. I hear your experiences, the way they're making that decision or that it isn't actually turning out the results they want because there's something missing in their decision process. Is that is that kind of where we are? Yeah. I think going back to what you said before, I think there's the there's the, the short term and the medium, medium to long term. And so you know, we've written articles about this called the shiny iPad syndrome. And that is, you know, how do we improve the customer experience? And somebody said, well, let's launch an app, you know, and people love apps. So why don't we launch an app? It looks sexy. Like, you know, you show it to the CEO and you show them all the mock-ups and the, the, the UI that looks gorgeous. And everyone's just going, wow, this is amazing. What a beautiful app. How wonderful this is. The customers are going to love this. And they launch it and nobody uses it. Um, well, hardly anybody uses it because it wasn't high up on the priority. What they actually wanted was not sexy. They just wanted to be able to log in easily or they wanted to be able to tell their story once instead of four times. And so to do that takes a whole lot of back-end work to actually sync all that up to tell for somebody to tell their story once. And so the next time you talk to somebody the next day or the next week or the next month, they have your story and you don't have to retell it. But that's not sexy. Like that, That's hard work to do all the back-end work to do that. And so I think sometimes there's this, it's upfront, it's overt. And I think people are hoping that it'll work. Just too often, it doesn't. Yes, there's some interesting things to to unpack there in the realm of decision making, and I can hear one thing. I'll kind of flag as a as I think towards a diagnosis and where we're headed with this. One thing to flag is it sounds like there's a bunch of assumptions that organisations are making about, let's say, what a customer wants. So, as you said, the shiny iPad syndrome. The assumption is what they want is an app. Yet that's a false assumption. Maybe it's not been tested, or it's even not explicit. It's just but it's a background assumption that someone has made inside themselves and then go on, let's launch the app, right? I think it's spot on. Yeah, a bunch of false assumptions. This is a common thing in the world of decision-making. Either assumptions are not articulated. In other words, we're just operating from assumptions that, of course, we all know that. Of course, the, the world is going to go this way. But without articulating them, we don't realize that's what's driving our decision. And then a bunch of actually incorrect assumptions. In other words, we say, well, of course, they want this. That's our, yes, of course, we know that's what's wanted. Yet we haven't actually tested that assumption and checked against it and understood what's really underneath that. So, so I can hear there's something, there's something in that world of assumption that needs some testing valid, some articulation, some testing and validation. And just so let me just test something else as I think about this whole decision situation. Would you say that organizations do have clarity as to the sort of outcomes they want? You, you sort of said it, right? You sort of said, yeah, there's no mystery that if we can improve customer experience, we improve our, you know, staffs in, in, experience of working in the organization, we improve stickiness, we improve customer value over time and those sort of things. So would you say organizations are generally clear on what they want to achieve at the end? Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think is that you're right. You've hit on but retention, loyalty, cross-sell, upsell, high lifetime value, all those things. That is the end goal for lots of organizations. So Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm testing that because in many decision situations, actually that lack of clarity of what we're trying to achieve is what drives poor decision making. It's that we think we know what we want to achieve, but we don't. But actually in your case, I can hear good clarity of outcome. That's great. But how we achieve that outcome at the moment sounds like it's built on, potentially built on some false assumptions that are made. Let me ask you a different question. What do you think drives some of those false assumptions? So you talk about the, you know, we need an app. Someone somewhere has said an app is what we need. What's made that happen? So obviously you use, use the word, it, it's sexy. So maybe someone in an organization say, do something more sexy and someone's heard sexy and go on, give them an app. What else do you think drives some of those things? That What, what causes that decision or what has someone go, it's a good thing to do? 
I think sometimes people have been listening probably heard UX, user experience, which is, you know, um, CX for, for computers and, in, you know, interaction and how we engage with websites and all that type of stuff. And that's a well-designed, well-researched path, which have been, and everyone's done a lot of good work. We know that our interactions with computers are much better than they used to be. So I think a lot of these projects get initiated out of digital. So digital transformation, everybody, you know, who, who's not going through a digital transformation if you're at any uh, organization of scale. And so I think those things come out of there or they see, you know, somebody's seen another app and it looks good. And I take that as a, the shiny app. It's not always an app or an iPad, but it's, it might be a shiny platform or it's a something. You know, we worked with a, an organization over the last few years who they went down trying to improve their website engagement experience, but then the application form was 10 pages and took about 45 minutes. So great, you're spending all this time and money on that and it's beautiful, but the reality is when you drive new customers to the application, which is where the money starts, if they actually sign up and start buying stuff from you, there's 10 pages they've got to get through and a lot will drop off. And so your conversion goes way down. And so that's what I mean. So it's very, that part of it's not very sexy, but it's far more effective for an organization. So I don't know if I know the answer as to why that happens, but I think it has to do with there's a lot of things which appear on the surface like they will be good. And, and it's hard to dispute. Like, why wouldn't we want to have a great website where people can engage with us? How do you argue that? Of course, you know, how, how do we make it easier for our customers to interact with us? The next question that needs to be asked is, that sound, that's good. I think they might want to, but how highly does that rank on all the things that they actually want us to solve for them as a supplier or a brand? And the analysis quite often isn't done to say, well, that's actually number 87, not number one. And number one through five is, I just want somebody to call me back in 10 minutes rather than me have to call you back every two weeks to actually get a result, which means you've got to put more people into call centers. And that's, you know, so it's, it's that type of thing, I think, which is the ranking of the prioritization quite often isn't undertaken. And so just sort of digging into that bit further, I can hear there's a, some of the factors causing those decisions to be made or inputs of those decisions back to our sexiness thing is someone's heard that, yes, of course, the answer is, you know, improve our UX on our website. And we've heard that's a good thing to do. So we should do that thing. It's also hard to argue with. Like, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we want to have a website which our, our customers will find easy to navigate? So there's a classic decision challenge I hear there, which is kind of the almost a lack of understanding of the network of decisions that are being made. There's a kind of the decision called it's, of course, it's a good decision to improve our UX on our website. Of course, that's a good decision for a certain outcome. Yet that's only one decision in the entire suite of decisions we're making about improving our customer experience or actually delivering greater retention or greater stickiness for our customers. One thing I can hear is this kind of, you need to step back a little bit and look at, well, actually the decision is how to, you know, the question we're asking ourselves is how to improve our customer experience. And there's a whole load of decisions being made inside there. And if we just make one decision in isolation, its impact might have a contribution or it might not. And I, I think you, you just talked about ranking. It's a bit like there are 87 things we could do where we're putting our attention on the one thing that pops up because someone said we should do, because we know we can get funding for that, because we have a budget set aside for improving our website. So if we spend that money, that's going to do the thing. And the bit that's missing is thinking that through as a decision system. And then the disappointment called, well, we took the action, we invested the money, we built our new website, yet we still haven't improved our customer outcomes. Plus back to the thing we talked about <laughs> earlier, which is we might do all that 
and we might not know we've not improved our customer outcomes for 12 to 18 months because you know that's how long it takes someone to get sufficiently fed up with this and to kind of walk away or whatever right whatever metrics we're, we're, we're tracking there's a challenge on that network of decision making the other thing i can hear which is a common thing and i'd say pretty much anyone that walks through into my surgery there's an element of this going on one of the things that really makes great decision making is a level of participation of our stakeholders in the decision the false assumption often is we do this it turns this result out because that's what that person wants what we're missing is what does that person really want and i can kind of hear it in what you're talking about in other words there's an assumption as to what the customer wants to improve their experience that we've made internally navel gazing ourselves and that's a false assumption because actually the conversation with the customer called what is it you really want what would make the difference as you said just give me the call back in 10 minutes not have me phone three times over the next two weeks which isn't sexy at all or reduce that 10 page application to one page it isn't sexy at all, but actually it's what's at the top of the customer's list. And there's been no engagement with the customer in that conversation. And so that's a classic situation of a lack of stakeholder contribution or participation or consideration in the decision process. Yes, we, Company X, we know what we're doing. We know our products. We know our customers. We know what's best for them. We've made the decision called Improve the UX on our website. And the actual real people out there who are the customers are oblivious to that. And I'm going, why did they do that? When actually all I really want is a button to push, call me back in five minutes. Is that sort of that stakeholder participation is something that's that's missing? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it does lack or understanding who the stakeholders actually are, right? which yeah. is why customers actually get missed out. So they might go to internal stakeholders, but it's not understood that customers are actually a pretty key stakeholder as part of this participation process. One of the reasons I see that that happens, as in stakeholders aren't engaged in the in the decision process, is because either people don't know how to do that, or they're that's perhaps being a bit less charitable, a bit frightened of what they might learn if they actually ask the question. Do you think that's going on for organisations? Yeah, I think it's it's actually harder than it looks. Everyone, um, you know, organisations quite rightly and understandably would like to internalise this. You work with customers, like you know the business, sort it out. Yeah, so it's difficult because you actually need to be able to take an outside perspective and not have your inside filter on. They can't see the forest for the trees almost. So that's a real thing in terms of being able to step out and look from the outside in rather than inside out. And then the lead on to that is when you do that, you're quite right. You hear bad news quite often. Mm. Like there's no, no organization is <laughs> perfect. And so it's being able to be willing to go, listen, we're a good organization. We might be a very good organization, but we have fail points like every organization and every system has fail points or choke points. And I think it is difficult for our clients because they embrace and they go, oh, you know, sometimes I have to go home with a glass of wine or a cup of tea and actually go through this. But it, you have to be willing, I guess, to, to go, listen, we don't have all the answers, but we're willing to go get the answers and improve things. Mm. As I sort of think what could make a difference here in improving these decision outcomes. And, and again, you know, for other people listening to this who might not be in that situation at all, but in a different situation, this is, like I said, there's a common challenge. And as you say, th things that need to be done that will re really make a difference. First thing is thinking broadly enough about who your stakeholders are, right? Not just to go and well, we, our standard list is this, that's who they are. It's our shareholders of our company. That's all that counts. Or maybe it's our staff done. Well, that's obviously some stuff missing there. So number one, think more broadly about who your stakeholders are. And then number two, find out for them, from them what matters to them, not just assume that we know, oh yeah, we'll put you know whoever it might be up on our list. Yeah, we know what they care about. 
actually a conversation about what matters to them is really important. In fact, one of the things that really helps the decision process is separating the conversation about what matters to the stakeholders from what should we do about it. You know, a question to ask someone and what I've seen is that can be a, that's a much less confronting conversation. Asking the question called, what should we do differently is, is a harder, sometimes a harder question to answer, but what matters to you is much more engaging conversation to have. And I think that it sounds like that's missing. They're, they're missed. They've, they've built a bunch of false assumptions about what maybe customers want or who the stakeholders are and what the stakeholders want. So that needs cleaning up. Let's get some clean. Let's be clear on the assumptions we're making, clear on the ones that we're missing that we need to now test. And then let's actually engage and ask the, the, who these stakeholders are from the perspective of what matters to them so that we can start to build a decision process or a way of thinking about our decisions that brings that to the table as well. One th other thing I'd say is that I often think about how we balance this intangible and tangible value in decision-making because some of the things the customer's going to want is going to be pretty intangible. It's not necessarily faster. It might be better. Well, what does better look like? So have a decision process that allows for that balance between some of the tangible and intangible stuff so that it doesn't just turn into, they said these 20 things that matter to the customers. Well, those things are a bit soft and tricky. Forget those. Let's just go after these hard things. Also, we'll not get to a good outcome. That's, that's something else I can hear. Yeah. And I think customers are really great at telling you what's not working and always great with telling you the solutions. So don't ask them for solutions. I agree with you. <laughs> but telling them what's not working and how they feel about it and what's wrong gives you enough clues as to the various approaches you should take to solve it. And that's where you can take that insight, take that back into the organization and go, this is how they think about it. This is how they feel about it. This is the impact on their lives. They're not telling you how to solve it. How do you think we should solve it? Because the organization is full of experts, right? understanding technology, sales, logistics, whatever it is, marketing, who can actually go about solving it for internal people. So I think there's a bias to action like you were talking about before. Like there's the, you go to customers and they tell you what the problems are, but if you're an internal organization, you feel like, well, I've got to come up with solutions. Nobody's actually asking you to actually articulate the problem so much there. Well, what, are you, what are you doing about it? That's interesting to hear that because that's also another, if I, I think of other pitfalls in decision-making, not putting enough time and energy into thinking about what's the outcome we want, what are the inputs to it, just jump straight to here's an answer, let's take action because we need to be seen to be doing something. And who we need to be seen to be doing something by is a whole other question, again, back to our stakeholders. That's another interesting dimension and, and especially speculated earlier, if there happens to be a budget sitting over there for, I don't know, digital transformation, well, we'll have that budget, thanks very much. We'll do something that answers the digital transformation question. It might be nothing to do with improving the customer experience, but we, we can make it look like that. And then that's, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's not going to be helpful either. Cool. So let me just kind of sum up where I think things that I think, you know, I guess what I'd call a prescription for these kind of organizations, I think there's a few things. So firstly, I think just recognizing that these decisions that they're making around how to achieve an outcome called improved customer experience and therefore, you know, longevity, et cetera, it's a network of decisions. It's not an isolated decision. So don't look at it just like do the website done. Okay, check. Oh, next thing we're going to do is an app. Okay, app done. Actually, how's the whole thing fit together as a continuum of, out of delivering outcomes? So I think the network of decisions, the second thing is really think through and, and capture what are the assumptions we're already making as we make these decisions. Yeah, we've assumed that this thing will have this outcome. We've assumed that that person wants that thing. So get those articulated. Then the stakeholders, who actually are they? Let's have a, let's be broader. So get clean on who the stakeholders are. 
and probably most importantly, then engage with them actually directly rather than making up what we think they want. How do we engage with the stakeholders? How do we bring what matters to them? As I think as you said it, asking what they care about, how they feel about something rather than what the answer is. So if we're clear on who the stakeholders are, we know what assumptions to test, we can have those conversations with the customers. And as, as you said, an outside in view is a helpful way because one of the biggest challenges in decision making, of course, is bias. And when we're an organization, a lot of our bias to action or our bias to making ourselves look good as a company is going to drive some of the things that we do. And we can cut down some of that bias with greater diversity of stakeholders and by looking outside in rather than inside out. So I can see how improving that bias. And once we've got our assumptions clear, we know who our stakeholders are, we've engaged with them directly into the decisions that we make, then I think organizations are going to be much better placed to make the kind of decisions about the solutions or interventions. And it sounds like a bonus may well be that some of the things they identify are much lower cost and lower effort than they might have thought. Turning my 10-page application form into a one-page one is probably a lot less effort than building an app. <laughs> Would you say that's your experience? It's absolutely, yeah. No, that, I, like, I like the way you frame that. I think that's, um, that's a really interesting perspective on it. It's a really good one. Great. Well, I um, hope that's been helpful. Thanks so much for bringing this as a decision challenge to us to grapple with. I think there's some gold in there for anyone who's listening. And, uh, you know, please take that away, see what difference that makes. And, and maybe we'll chat again another time if, you know, you come back with a, want an update on your prescription. That'd be great. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks so much for visiting The Decision Doctor. Thanks, David. Thank you for listening to The Decision Clinic podcast with your host, me, Paul Gordon, CEO and founder of Catalyze APAC and author of Hard Decisions Made Easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to click follow for all future episodes. And for additional information and resources, check the show notes or visit me and my team at catalyzeapac.com. I look forward to welcoming you to the Decision Clinic again soon.